Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport, it's Series 12, Episode 47, a little after 8 o'clock Greenwich Mean Time, that's UK time, uh, on what has been a very cold, bitterly cold week uh, here in the central uh, part of England where we got down to minus 13 degrees Celsius uh, earlier on in the week. Up in London is our executive producer Tim Greer, good evening Tim. Not been that cold uh, today or yesterday, in fact. In fact, uh, very pleasant yesterday with clear blue skies and bright sunshine. It's just been chilly. Monday was very wet though, didn't like that at all. Uh, Get rain Monday. We had a lot of snow Sunday, which obviously meant it was a Jeep day, which was very good fun. Um, On a packed programme. We had a lot of snow for London, but London doesn't get a lot of snow, so three centimetres uh, has to suffice us. on a packed programme tonight. We have all the usual features, news, uh, lots of news. It's very been, been a very busy news week, so we'll only have the best of the news, as we always do. We could have a whole show on Porsche news this week. We could just read out the Porsche press releases. Yes. Uh, but we won't. No. We do have a pointless press release of the week. Oh dear. Uh, we have the game show. Oh dear. And we have a full set of guests. Do we? Excellent. Well, let's hope. We can, we can only hope. Uh, so, uh, you're going to play... Uh, I'm working quite hard here. My internet's a bit slow. So, um, hello to everybody. Those of you who have issued apologies for absence, thank you very much. But it's fair to say that most of the usual people are in or not in. Yes. A lot of people asking about the Listener's Award. Yes. Uh, Lipton T tweeted yesterday and said, "Is the uh, the listener award only for a person, or can it be also for a team?" It can be for anything you like, but it's too late now because nominations closed last night. Okay. Uh, have you got a jingle to play? I have. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek motorsport. And the papers have been shuffled. So, what is your top story? We're going to start with Formula One. Hooray! <laughs> And that green Slight delay. Nick's not here. By our Formula One correspondent, is he ever really all there? Well, I, I have a, I have a point to make, and it's, it's key about your earlier conversation about the weather. Mm-hmm. You know how I love my Alfa Romeo more than I love anything else. More than life itself, you said to me. Rear, rear wheel drive, 503 horsepower, track tyres mostly worn out. Not a good recipe for the weather we've having recently. Did not get off the drive on Monday. So you had to use your bike. Nope, use the R bath. Yeah, Fiat Chrysler have a result for every single eventuality. FCA groups, I just use the Mrs. Arbath instead. No worries. Mrs. Arbath? Yes. Do they, have a, do they have an eventuality for... No, I won't say it. No. 
please don't. No, it was uh, it was definitely on the early hours of uh, seven o'clock issue when I was out and about on Sunday morning. I was the first person making tracks in the snow until I got to the year 14 and had to pick me, around, me way around all the lorries on every tiny little incline because they couldn't get up it because it hadn't been ploughed. Thanks, East North Ants. Ploughed? Ploughed. Plough fields. You plough snow. And plough? Do. Yeah. It hadn't been... Pl- the snow plough had not been there. It had not been ploughed. It had not cleared the snow. Yes. And it hadn't, it hadn't gritted either. Um, but still, that was great because I had a lot of fun. Uh, not so much the lorry drivers. Anyway, moving on. What's our top story? Uh, it's Formula One. Mm-hmm. Hooray! We did Sorry, that already. We've done this bit. Uh, so we need to introduce uh, our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Which we've already done. I, I Hello, feel, Hello, everyone. I, I feel a, a certain sense of vérité do here. You, you feel <laughs> that we may have heard from him before we introduced him. Yes, yes. As we said, he's not physically here uh, in the Heinoff Tower studio. He's... Uh, Joining us from the Carbon Fibre Triangle. What's the top story tonight then, Tim, on but Formula first of all, One? a question for Nick. Ooh. Does your Alfa Romeo look better than the Alfa Romeo Sauber? Yes. Quite that... a lot. <laughs> but then most of the modern F1 cars aren't that pretty. No, it was, it was an interesting paint job, but beyond that, you know. Well, are you it's not the in the colours it's in? Well, they need to put the green uh, quadrifoglio, uh, the four-leaf clover on the side, obviously, somewhere. And uh, it needs to be more red, um, but perhaps they don't be want it too red because red. It'll, uh, it'll interfere with Ferrari. I'm not sure that's the final colour scheme. I'm certain that's not the final car. Well, no, hopefully not, because that was rubbish. Um, I, I did like the um, metallic red, though. You're right, it needs a bit more red and it needs quadrifoglio on it. So anyway... Um, so you, that wasn't your top story, though, it was it? It wasn't, no. That right. was just a point of interest, really. OK. Uh, who is favourite to be unveiled as the second Williams F1 driver for 2018? Well, oddly, a 22-year-old. Yeah. Given the fact we were told you had to be at least really? 25 for... Well, you see, you know how, you know, Williams are one of the grandee teams and the most important thing about them is getting the best two drivers. You know, they, they actually sacked... The world champion, Damon Hill, we thought they could find a better driver in Heinz Howard Frentzen, you know, and they sacked one, well, they let go one problem on tour, they find someone better, you know. They always choose the best drivers, unless you're a 22-year-old man with a large amount of Russian cash, in which case, ka-ching, Williams is open for business with two pay drivers. It's, oh, my God. It's... To be fair, Nick, Sergei Sorokin, uh, in uh, back-to-back tests against Robert Kubica, was faster than Robert Kubica. Is he a pay driver? Would he be in without the fifteen million pounds that uh, uh, SMP are bringing? Of all the drivers that Williams have tested, Sergei Sorokin was the fastest. Yes, but they obviously have found that that. Uh, well, the interesting thing we now know is that uh, Mercedes aren't prepared to pay fifteen million for Pascal Verlein because Verlein's much better bet, and he was is it, has the equal same issue of not being old enough. Uh, this isn't the first time that they've taken paid drivers, though, because effectively, let's not. Who the drivers? Hmm. Two pay drivers? Yes, I know. Well, effectively, um, the retiring... Maldonado and... Uh, no, 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 no. Felipe no, Massa no, was a pay no, driver. No, he no, wasn't. That wasn't what they wanted. Anyway, don't forget, Joe, that wasn't what they wanted. They were, they were going into the season with pay driver Lance Stroll and Valtteri Bottas till they lost him at the last minute. And they paid Massa in the last year. So whilst I'll accept that Massa was, was certainly a neutral driver, um, and a lot of drivers are neutral drivers, where they pay themselves with the sponsorship they bring, this is two young, 
pay drivers in a team that supposedly wanted to move up the grid has employed Paddy Lowe to do that. And it's, I think, quite pathetic. I disagree. Good. That's what the whole point of the show is. I, I think you you take what you can get. Um, who? Right, OK. As, as Tim has said, many times on this programme... We have criticised people for saying, what was the point of them doing that shootout then and then not taking the fastest guy? So they've done the shootout and they've taken the fastest guy. Who they else? Did shoot out, they did the shootout with uh, Verline. Right. Well, maybe, the there was the, the, maybe they didn't the want Verline. The only people in the shootout were Sorokin, Kaching, um, Kubica, who would have brought them, and um, a bit of running for Lance Stroll. So it's, it, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm. They had previously well, tested Paul Duresta as well, correct, as a benchmark yeah, against yeah, uh, Kubica. Are you telling me that you know you look down every other driver out there, and if you had, and Sergey Sorokin is the best you can find? Well, he's better than the other three they tested. Exactly. Is he better than Antonio Giovinazzi? Don't think so. Ooh, I don't I'm know. not entirely certain that Giovinazzi would be allowed to race a Williams. No, but there's there's a whole IndyCar grid. There's a whole there's 20 people in Formula E. There's nine people in LMP1 who haven't got a job this year. Um, there's I'm eight sorry, maids but, are milking, seven swans well, are swinging, and, and five gold rings. Sorokin has been passed over by two other teams. Williams just want the 15 million quid. Thank you. I mean, I, 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 I'm absolutely. If it was Williams Minardi, that's not a problem. That's what they're there for. Williams are supposed to one that you know. It's, to me, it's just a really. I find it disappointing because I am prior to being in F1, where you where I was working in F1. Prior, that I was a big Williams fan. Once you actually work in the bubble, you can't just get very neutral about everything. But deep down, you know, still, I'm still a Williams boy. You know, I've somewhere have a gilet with a Williams badge stained on my mother. You know, and and I just find it awful. Oh, hang on, hang on. So you weren't a big enough to support a, of them to actually buy a proper Williams gilet. You actually just bought a cheap C and A gilet and a badge. Fine, I think you're fine. That when I'm talking about this, about eighty five, eighty six, you couldn't buy that sort of merchandise. I bet you could if you had enough money. I bet you. Could. I don't think that no just existed. Okay. Anyway, the point what I'm saying is, I think it's it's a Ian statement Head of lack of intent. Had a gilet in those days. No, true. But the issue, the issue that PR today go, oh, we were out developed by um, Force India. We want to make sure we don't happen again. Well, it doesn't matter. You can be, it doesn't matter who's developing what. If you've got a pair of tuggers in the car, what's the point? All right, I'm not saying Sorokin's a tugger, but it's his first year. You've fairly got two rookies because Lance Stroll hasn't learned enough yet. He's only finished on the podium once. Yeah, but he's he's so up and car. down. He is so up and down. Do we I mean, think, I think that think, uh, Lance happened, Stroll will not have imp- Do you think that Lance Stroll would not have improved on his second visit to all of these tracks? Do you think Lance Stroll would not improve with a decent teammate who's got experience you can pass down to him? That's what he had last season. Yeah, and that's his first season. So in the second season, he'd, be, he'd know even more, wouldn't he? How can how can you write to me? You don't think how can you justify? Williams having two paid drivers with a grand total of 20 Grand Prix experience between them. It's not about them being paid drivers. It's about them being the fastest drivers that they tested. Yes, but they didn't test the right people. They tested people who weren't paid drivers. If I tested me and Johnny for a drive, sadly, Johnny would beat me. But that wouldn't mean he's the fastest person in the Radio Limon team, would it? No. But so if Joe Bradley is not available because he's uh, under contract available. to a rival engine manufacturer, 
you get there's about seventy people who aren't under contract to anybody. Mm. How think... many of those people could get a super license? Well, enough of them. You know, they're even saying the backstop for Sorokin is Danny Kvyat because he's also Russian. We'll also get SNP money. It's fine. I mean, so it's it's it. I suppose really I'm implying double standards here because I don't mind certain teams saying they're sold. I just feel upset that Williams are doing it. Hmm. Okay. So that's my opinion. <laughs> so that's uh, Nick, uh, who wants uh, Williams to take uh, a slower driver with less money. No, I want to take a better driver with more experience by not just taking someone with a large checkbook from... Is it Boris Ratten, Ratten somebody, head of SMP? What, what, what is it... Uh, what happens if they need the money, though? You know, we've, we, we, if that money moves them forward... Is that not the right thing to do? Yeah, but the point about it is, you can't move forward. If the, people st- if the nut behind the wheel is st- not good enough, it doesn't matter how much you improve the car. Mm. Okay. Shall we move on? I think we know what Nick thinks about this. He's, if he, it's a rumour, it may never happen. <laughs> his, his Williams fanboyism is disgusted at uh, the team that we, with his boyhood heroes just taking their cash. And I promise you that'll be the last time we hear that tonight. Actually, I'm not going to promise that. Please promise that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okie dokie. Moving on. Uh, where do we go after that? Mm, good yeah. point. Uh, who deserves to be in Formula One? Well, you know, that's very... According uh, oh, to Toto Wolff. Oh, this is Pascal Verlein. Pascal Verlein. Pascal Verlaine does this as much as um, uh, Sergio Mattiani said that Mattiani said that uh, Antonio Giovinazzi deserves to be and they'll they'll buy him a seat next year, didn't they? Uh, Verlaine obviously does not have fifteen million pounds to buy the um, the Williams seat, um, so he's just so he's just got to say nice things about him. But there does seem to be kind of a whispering campaign against him, doesn't he, old Verlaine? He doesn't seem well, very There seems to be a bit of a whispering campaign against Rockin from your direction. Well, he's not whispering it. He's, he's quite shrilly oh, well, shouting quite it. Quite a shrill shouty campaign <laughs> against Rockin. Ranty. Ranty campaign. Sorokin. It's not a reflection on Sergei Sorokin. If Sergei Sorokin didn't have any money, would you object to him being at Williams? It wouldn't happen. It's a completely moot point because it wouldn't happen. But he was the fastest driver in their shootout. He's 22. He's no good for Martini. It would cost them money. So that's not going to happen. So we can have it. it, it, it I'm not having conversations. It would never happen. He, he, hang on, Nick. You should love Sorokin because he won the Formula at Bath European Series in 2011. He won I the Italian like Formula it. 3 Championship as well. I didn't say I didn't like him. I didn't say I didn't think he was all right. He just not, you know, if, he was, if, he, if they were firing Lance Stroll, which is never going to happen, and sticking him in with the established driver, I'd be absolutely fine about it. I don't think he won the... Uh... Formula 3 in Italy. He was fifth overall in the European and the Italian series in 2012. He was fifth in European. I think yeah. he won the Italian, didn't he? No. Uh, no he was going to make a debut for Sauber years ago and he was going to be the youngest ever. It never happened. That's true. He was also uh, Renault's test driver. Yeah, none of them bothered putting him in a race seat, did they? Uh, that is also true. He has raced at Le Mans, of course, with Victor Schaiter in the Dallara Gibson. Again, nothing against him personally. Okay. Is it because he's driving for ERT Grand Prix? 
That's a Mercedes team, isn't it? That's it. We've got the cash team. Um, yeah, so, so Verline and Giovinazzi all deserve to be in F1. Well, the easy way to do that is to have more teams and we have more drivers. Why Why is is, is Verline um, not getting the... What has Toto said why uh, Verline is not getting the drive he deserves? Yeah, because Mercedes don't want to buy him a seat. They've, they've basically gone, Espen Ockham's good enough for us as our, as our first reserve. We've got uh, George Russell coming up after that and a couple of other uh, German guys. And we've got all the people in DTM, so they're not worried. Don't really need him. He's surplus. He'll they're not going to spend money DTM, on him. And then he'll the be dropped year. at the end of the season. Mm. Cynical, but true. Right, OK, moving on. Uh, who's been saying nice things about Haas this week? Gene Haas. Uh, is it is it Ferrari again? No, it's a driver. Oh, is it? Oh, no, I didn't know. I, I just said Kevin uh, Magnussen. Uh, it's Kevin Magnussen. Really? Yes. Has, have you said they don't think I'm awful and they give them, they've re-signed me and it's great? I think he's uh, feeling very comfortable after being in the same place for two consecutive seasons and actually driving a car in the, both of those seasons. God, he's got very he's got very low expectations, isn't he? <laughs> Well, look at his career over the last five years. Well, that's it. Yes. So he, he but, but and also he's here. He, despite the fact he's got kind of a, you know, he's quite gruff and uh, everything else. He's the least, he's the least abrasive member of that team of drivers. Uh, why do we have so many Frenchmen in Formula One next season? Because uh, Jean Top makes it happen. <laughs> that's a fair enough answer. Anything else? In the French Grand Prix. Yes. Is that the one you're going why, for? Why have we had uh, so few French drivers in F1 over the last 15 years? Uh, because they, the, the, uh, the Elf scholarship stopped, is the actual but answer to that La, question. La Filière, yeah. You're right. Yeah. That, that, that was what stopped it, actually. Uh, but the other reason was um, that uh, there wasn't a French Grand Prix. And Renault were faffing about not really knowing what they were doing. So there's no one to put, there was no financial incentive. To, uh, to, yeah, it's why it was several years ago there was only Brazilians because there was money coming in from Brazil why it, back in the late, late 90s with the same the Italians we can't talk about that can we um, you know it's it's uh, unfortunately it's not a meritocracy as it should be in F1 uh, what have Pirelli announced this week um, the new well, the tyres they're going to be using for the first couple of races of the next season first four in fact first one, yeah. first three Grand Prix Yes, but they're all going. They're, they're, the only interesting one is it China or is it Bahrain? Where they've 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 not got three in a row, have they? Uh, they've China gone, got medium and soft. I think they got one. One of them's got medium soft and then ultra soft. It doesn't have the super soft. soft. Yes, no. Yeah, super so soft. It's, missing, it's missing out the middle ones. So you qualify on a tyre, obviously, because also, but don't forget that's actually softer than last year. So you're going to qualify on a tyre last about four laps. Uh, Remember, there is um, the so hyper soft, which is not appearing in any of these first three races. Uh, he, won't, he won't see that. He might see it. Um, is it not a Soshi? So in which case you probably won't see it until uh, Monaco. Um, and uh, we're also not going to see the uh, Super Hard. No, the Super Hard uh, is, is only a backup. In case everything... Basically, it's in case they have they have to go to Indianapolis and have a Michelin moment. <laughs> uh, so in Australia, they've got soft, super soft, ultra soft. Bahrain mm-hmm. is which medium are, which soft. Which are all soft than they were, soft. remember? Apparently. And China is medium soft and ultra soft, as you said. 
remind the listener of the rules around tyres. Um, they have to be round and black. Uh, you've got 13 sets. You have to choose at least one of the two hardest sets, and you have to take those into the race. Um, you get an extra set of super, 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 duper soft, whatever the softest is for the final round of qualifying. But the key point is that in the race itself, you must use two different compounds in a dry race. So you can, uh, they must be two different types of compound. Um, and uh, yeah, then obviously the top 10 will qualify, will start the race on the tyre. They set their fastest lap in Q2 in. Yes. Okay, let's uh, move on to bikes. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which uh, World Superbike star uh, has said he has no plans to move out of World Superbikes? Johnny Ray. Is correct. Who I notice, and well done the BBC, has been nominated for Sports Personality of the Year. Indeed. Yeah, there's the other three... Uh, sports personality noms with wheels this year. Don't is there a cyclist so. as well? Is there? Yeah. Oh, cycling possibly. Yes. It has wheels. So it's got Lewis Johnny. I don't. Know, I don't I'm not. No, no idea who's going to win. But I, I, unfortunately, it won't be Johnny Ray. But he's he probably the most deserving. It's good he got nominated. He might but get most Northern of... Ireland. From, uh, I'm pretty win. sure he will. <laughs> uh, which of his championship rivals got married last week? Oh, it was Chaz Davis. It was. Um, that was a pure guess, because I, I could only think you get wedding news from a British driver. <laughs> well, I said championship rival, so it had to be British rider. No, it was Marco Melandri. Sometimes fourth. Well, it's sort of rivalry-ish. Yes. Uh... Who is going to supply uh, the bikes or, well, yes, who's going to supply the bikes for the uh, electric MotoGP support races next season? <laughs> didn't read that. I saw it and I didn't read it. You have to tell me that one. I did see that they, they passed that the tender out. Energica. Right. Uh, the okay, Italian, e-bikes, uh, excellent. The Italian team, they're going to be using the Energica Ego. Uh, Does everything have to have an E in it? I suspect so. Uh, it finished seventh in the Isle of Man TT Zero this year, apparently. So Aren't these the, the guys that we I saw think... ages ago, Nick? At the no, no that was the American company. That was. Oh, okay. What do you mean? Yeah, they were quite. No, this is this is um, an Italian race company. But yeah, I'm trying to think who you mean because they were quite they were quite a long way down, weren't they? With kind of interchangeable batteries and everything. They have an electric street fighter. Uh, an electric sports bike, and uh, their US premiere will be at the CES show in Las Vegas, Nevada, which I think is the weekend of the 24 hours, isn't it? So, yeah. Well done. I, you know, I think it'll work. Be interesting to see how it works. Who's going to run this new championship? Donna, presumably. Uh, which person? Oh. Who is joining Dorna specifically to take on this project? Uh, don't know. Nicolas Goubert. Oh, really? The man who was previously head of uh, bike tyres for Michelin. Yep. Uh, they're expecting mm. between 15 and 20 bikes on the grid for the uh, initial, uh, for the first season. Well, that's been an electrifying sight. <laughs> Take it. 
So I got that. Mm, moving good. on. Not good. No. Moving Come on. on. Grumbling like that. Spark of a good idea there, I think, somewhere. But Yeah, I'm, there were, there's promise there, but it needs a bit of work. Go back to your uh, room full of script writers and come back in a couple of days. Well, you mean the infinite number of monkeys or the infinite number of typewriters? Eventually, they'll turn out Shakespeare. They yes, probably pride that. They're just doing a few one-liners. I think that's what we've got for Nick. Oh, okay. Are you sure? Yes. Well, Nick, thank you for... I know you've got a dash away this week, haven't you, Nick? We're off and about, aren't we? We are. We are off and about. Uh, this weekend, we'll remind everybody, uh, in... Vision, at least. Not really a weekend, either. No, no, it's correct. Uh, Friday, Saturday, um, we will be on the air with the Gulf 12 hours from Abu Dhabi, from the uh, from the Grand Prix circuit, from the Formula 1 track at Yaz Marina on Yaz Island. Um, and it will be Johnny uh, anchoring things and Nick and Joe in the pits. And I'm going to oversee... Make sure everything goes right. Uh, we will very, very worrying. We will have uh, we will have some uh, video for that on the site. No dedicated audio uh, because slight change in how the organisation is working this year. But we will have uh, cameras up and running, and the plan is to have that on the site. So keep your eyes on social media, and we will let you know how and where you can say that, but we're going to try very hard indeed to get that on the site. Thanks very much for uh, Nick Damon joining us tonight. You're listening to uh, Midweek Motorsport, uh, which is uh, Series 12, Episode 47. So what have you got next, Tim? Uh, it's time for a little bit of uh, parochial British 80s TV <laughs> Music. <news. laughs> okay. Uh, so just uh, obviously on Monday we had the sad news of the death of uh, Keith Chegwin. Yes, one of my first television heroes. Never got to work with him. Saw him at work live once on a, uh, a Radio 1 roadshow, actually. I never worked Harrogate. with him either. Very disappointed, but a lot of my friends have. And, Top uh, look. Uh, they only have nice things to say about him. Anyway, in tribute to that mm-hmm. uh, is this week's game show. Oh, no. As we play this... Yes, that's right, it's Checkers Plays Bop. Oh, B.O.P. A game show about balance of performance. Uh, let's introduce our contestants today. First of all, uh, Shay Adam. Hello, Tim. Hello, Shay. She is at a bit of a disadvantage here because A, she wasn't born when Checkers Played Pop was on the television and B, even if she had been, she's in on the wrong continent for it. Yeah. Minor yeah, problem. Minor underdog. problem. Uh, Graham, Goodwin is our second contestant. Good evening, I'm delighted to be on yet another Midweek Motorsports <laughs> game show, which I have put an unrivaled record. You do, that's true. So you, how's this going should, to work? You should be right on this one. Our third contestant is John Hindhoff. Good evening Hello. again, John. Good evening, good evening. So how's this going to work, Tim? Okay, so I'm going to ask you questions about uh, the balance of performance 
in the uh, 2017 British GT Championship. Yeah. Specifically, uh, the balanced performance for Brands Hatch Indy and Rockingham. Right. Okay. Uh, so, who would like to go first? Uh, shall I go first, and then I can make the complete fool of myself? Okay, John, you can go first. Among the 2016 specification, uh, sorry, GT3 uh, specification uh, cars taking part in this year's British GT Championship, right. which one had the lowest BOP ballast added for Brands Hatch Indy and Rockingham? All right, do you mean the least change or the no, least... No, I mean the least ballast added. Um, I'm going to say Ferrari and Porsche. You can only pick one. Oh, I thought you said which cars. Yes, but there are obviously multiple... Oh, sorry, I see what you mean. Uh, Porsche. Porsche is a correct answer. <laughs> oh. uh, let's go to Shay next. Okay. Okay. Shay Adam, how much ballast was added to the Porsche 991 GT3R in kilograms, please? It's going to be something absurd. Um, 40 kilos. 40 kilos is incorrect. The correct answer was 10 kilos. Oh, man. Uh, Graham Goodwin. Good evening. Again. Which car had the most ballast added? And there were how many? There were six different uh, types of car in the GT3 class, I believe. Sorry, of 2016 models. Obviously, there were older cars as well, but we're just looking at 2016 models. Hmm. Aston Martin. The Aston Martin is correct. Back to John. He probably covered this. No, I didn't. I've not. I've actually not covered a British GT race in many a year. I'm afraid. Okay. To my eternal shame. Go on. I must say that a lot of the research uh, for this piece has come from an article by Stephen Kilby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can guarantee you, I don't read any stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff. Uh, the typos in it. Uh, stop. Uh, stop. Come on. <laughs> Next. Which car had the highest final weight, as in combined base weight and ballast? Well, they should all be about the same, then, shouldn't they? No! That's not how balanced performance works. You don't make everyone the same weight. Oh, OK. Then the it, best car would win. All right. In, in, of all of them, or just the GT3 cars? Uh, GT3. Uh, 2016 GT3 cars. So not the Nissan or... What else was ever in there? Um, Bentley was in there. Or the Bentley. It won the championship, didn't it? I'm going to stick with me German manufacturers, thanks very much. Um, so, always big and bulky, I'm going for Mercedes-Benz. Is the correct answer at uh, 1325. <laughs> okay. Back to Shay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Two types of 2016 specification GT3 car had no restrictors. Which two? Ooh. Oh, that's a bit... Um, was Lamborghini running in the series? Lamborghini was running in the series. Okay, that'll be one of my guesses. Um, Ferrari? And Ferrari... You've got one correct. It's Ferrari's one. Uh, but Lamborghini was incorrect. The other was BMW. 
BMW's not running the series. Not the, what, the 2016 car? The that would be the M6. Car, the M6, yes. The M6 has never run the series. doesn't matter. It still had a balance of performance against it. Maybe that's why it was unrestricted. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Can Here's... I have an extra point for knowing it didn't run in the series? I'll give you an extra point for that, Graham, <laughs> yes. Oh! So it's my turn so now. So it is Graham's turn. Yeah. According to uh, Seb Morris talking to Stephen Kilby, what is the minimum amount of ballast that actually makes any difference whatsoever to the handling of the car? Oh, no, I never know know exactly which article you're talking about now. This is me um, sending uh, Stephen off to base performance, wasn't it? It was, yes. Um, Which was basically, uh, it's actually worth... uh, worth stalling for time. I'm not, I'm absolutely (laughs) not. Worth explaining to the listener why it is we did this, because um, I got very irritated at people writing about balance and performance without any clue what actually um, the uh, the impact of the various bits yes. and pieces were. So I got Stephen to go off, and I, su- I would suggest to you that he probably said something along the lines of 25 kilos. Is incorrect. Was it 50 kilos? It wasn't. It was 70 kilos. Really? He oh. wants someone the size of him alongside him to, to make, make any difference. difference at all. They, the, the, the conclusion, by the way, and it's an interesting wow. one, Stephen came out of that uh, session uh, agog, it has to be said, and uh, said that he was astonished to find that um, the, the, the thing that people most often defer to in BOP uh, as the major factor, which is weight, is actually used for fine-tuning. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it very makes good. so little difference. Um, yep. according to uh, the drivers, Seb Morris, and we see I've seen that in other championships that use uh, balance of performance or use ballast at least. That, that actually it makes very little difference. Um, tenths, tenths, because they can just adjust their braking points to compensate. Mm. Um, it's the turbo restrictors that make all the difference. Yeah. Uh, mm. Back to John. Okay. Uh, British GT also uses ride height uh, as part of its balance (laughs) performance. Right. What is the minimum front ride height of the Aston Martin Vantage GT3? We were running a GT4, and I remember them talking about GT3s, and I think we were running at... 85 mil and they said it was 10 mil lower so I'm going to say 75 mil is the correct answer back of the net thank you for asking me about an Aston Martin and John was accusing Nick of being shrieky earlier (laughs) Uh, hey I'm like Grim I'm normally doing very badly in these things Uh, I've taken up the mantle of that yes Tim Shay uh, you also get a ride height question Okay. What was the minimum rear ride height of the Ferrari 488 GT3? Oh. Okay, well, they have a diffuser. Oh, boy. Just mm. guess guess a number. Uh, 100 mil. Oh, that's so close. It was 98 mil. So I might oh, give you half a point. You've got to give plus or minus a couple, though, haven't you? Well, you got a spot on, John. You shouldn't be arguing against it. Oh, I think she's had harder questions. She had to have two answers for one of them. That's true. Anyway, move on. Options to get a right. Uh, well, <laughs> Finally, Graham. Yeah. I'm, I'm smelling a rat here, by the way. You get a uh, right-out question as well as your third and final question. Right. Right. 
The Mercedes AMG GT GT3. Mm-hmm. Can you give me the difference <laughs> in millimeters between the front a... ride height and the rear ride height? You know, Tim, you're gonna have to stop Ooh. going for this populist kind of nonsense. <laughs> um, the difference between the front and the rear. Yes. Okay. Um, it has rear, right? right? Yeah, so, of so course it's it going to be yes, higher yeah, yeah. at the back. It, of course, uh, yes. <sighs> it is higher at the back. And there's no room for error here. I will give you two millimetres each side, as that's right. what we allowed, Shay. Five. It was six, so I'll give you a oh. point for... <laughs> that means Goodwin's won it! No, 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 because balanced performance doesn't work like that. <laughs> the winner is Nick Damon for not taking part. <laughs> Very good. Very good indeed. Uh, Checkers players, Bob. Fantastic stuff. Um, shall we move on to some news? Who yes, would you like do. first, Graham or... Um, we can have both of them. Let's talk about Porsches first, though, because that was a big news at the end of last week. Uh, we we could have had a, a program on on Porsches. Um, the night of champions, Graham, um, is traditionally where Porsche either signpost or perhaps even a, a little more their intentions for the following season, as well as honouring those who have uh, taken championships and, and won the Porsche Cup. Uh, for everybody should mention Porsche Cup winner first of all best non-professional driver in any sport it has uh, that the points are graded depending on which championship and a worthy winner this year again oh absolutely Christian Reed, um, the archetypal Porsche privateer where would Porsche racing internationally be without Proton competition absolutely fantastic stuff he's been been shooting for this for a couple of seasons now and with good results probably amongst his best ever results in international racing in the LMS and in the WEC with let's face it a car that's not in its first flush of youth this year um, that uh, he took it from Robert uh, Robert Renauer the 20 20- 16 winner so all good stuff um so christian reed and we'll be back by the way if his plans come together next year with proton competition with not one not two not three but four of the mid-engined porsche 911 rsrs two apiece in WEC and in elms talk about that later on as, as part of a further discussion sure. um when we, we come to the end of this piece on porsche um we have to doff our caps uh, to Wolf Hensler, a decade of success as a factory driver, but a factory driver no more. Yeah, and first things first, by the way, um, I can't remember who it was on Twitter that pointed this one out. And uh, I'll put my hand up and say I didn't initially notice that Wolf wasn't on the list. He wasn't. I did a quick bit of rapid uh, scanning through his career record, and it bears repeating. Uh, 2008 winner in the ALMS in GT2 with Flying Lizards. Uh, the 2010 winner at Le Mans 24 Hours with Feldmar Proton. Uh, the 2010 overall winner at the Spa 24 Hours with BMS Scuderia Italia. Uh, the 2011 winner, the Rolex 24 at Daytona with Racers Group. Uh, would you believe also an overall win at the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill with Team Mercer? Mm-hmm. Um, he's won Petit Le Mans twice with Falcon Tire in 2013 and 2014. He's had a reasonably quiet time, John, in recent years. He will move on from 
Porsche factory driving duties to be looking after, as Sasha Masson has before him, uh, driver coaching and driver advice for the Porsche juniors. But you know what? I hope we've not seen the last of Wolf behind the wheel. Um, he's always been an absolute pleasure, uh, a real Great. diamond. I mean, fast in that aggressive style that we like to see when Porsches get properly hustled. And the level of enthusiasm for his uh, his efforts and the level of affection amongst the fans was shown very broadly once I'd published this, the, the, you know, the brief piece uh, on DSC. And great as well to see a number of his colleagues, current and past, getting stuck in as well and wishing him as well what, what comes next. Wolf Hensler, we do doff our cap to you. Yeah. Um, we don't forget uh, the good days. I'm sure it wasn't the easiest day uh, when the list was announced without his name on it. But, um, you know, it's good to see that he's got a future with the brand. The big announcements uh, for the championships in which Porsche will compete in 2018. Uh, let's start with the World Endurance Championship. No surprise that Jimmy Bruni is going back to the WEC. Um I am slightly surprised, though, that he's not paired up with Lawrence Vanter. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Because that was one that was that was heavily kind of telegraphed by... Described as the uh, dream team, those two, by Frank Stefan Valliser, the man at the head of Porsche GT. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to have that conversation and see what's what, because there's some very different programmes been put together. Confirm first what you've got for the full season. Uh, in Car 92, it'll be Kevin Estrand uh, and Michael Christensen repaired again. They'll be joined at Le Mans in the 92 car by Lawrence Frontier. Jimmy Bruni will be a full season driver with Ricard Leitz, 2015 champion, of course. And Fred Macko will be joining that pair at Le Mans. Um, I know you're going to be coming on to talk about the, the fact that there will not be not two but four cars, John, mm. at, uh, at Le Mans is the plan at least. But, um, you know, what, it, what we've seen, it's 13 drivers across their factory programs, the full pro factory programs, plus Jörg Bergmeister and Patrick Long with programs. Pat Long's main program with Christina Nielsen already announced with Wright Motorsports added to the IMSA um, GTD teams but it's 13 drivers uh, of which 12 of them are at the moment will um, be a, a program to be at Le Mans in yeah. pro cars the only one of which isn't is Dirk Werner. Let, let's uh, bring Shea Adam in who uh, is part of our IMSA radio crew uh, great to to have Plongy back in the paddock right motorsports going from strength to strength we've seen them running Porsches in, in Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama Christina Nielsen uh, moving to her third different manufacturer uh, in as many years and once again uh, being very savvy about her driving partner there she yeah, Christina, uh, I think she did Aston Martin four years ago, then two years with Ferrari, two championships, now with Porsche. I love this combination and heard whispers of it in the paddock at Daytona last week, heard that it right was going to be coming back. We saw some representation from them walking around. But to think Christina Nielsen, who is reigning GTD champion, will be driving with Pirelli World Challenge reigning champion Patrick Long, it makes for a car that is beyond intriguing and I can't wait to see what the two of them do as Christina joked on uh, one of the social media forums the other day, at least she's got a co-driver who's a little bit taller this mm. year. Uh, it, Pat's a, a bit taller than Balzan, but still there's a height difference between the two drivers. And, and Graham, a, a point to that is that Christina has 
got some uh, limited amount of factory support despite uh, coming into Porsche this year. Although we should say she's got a background in Porsche, raced in Porsche Cup Challenge Middle East. Well, there's a couple of things to mention about this one. Um, one relates to Patrick Long. The other one does indeed relate to uh, Christina's new status as a Porsche-selected driver. That's not a phrase I'd heard before. No, me either. It won't be the last time we hear it, I understand, and it does come with some support. And the interesting part of it, forget the money side, uh, the interesting part of it is that status was announced as part of the little package of Porsche Juniors uh, that uh, will be stepping up to Super Cup and also the four guys that will be stepping into uh, effectively Porsche-nominated drives in international GT racing, which includes Matteo Caroli, for instance. Mm. Um, the other one, and John, you may remember this uh, because it actually affects you too. The first time I can remember having a solid conversation with Pat Long was, oddly enough, back in 2004. I know what you're going to say. That makes me feel old. <laughs> 2004 in the basement of a hotel in Bahrain as part of the GT Festival um, we won't tell you tell you what else we found in that uh, that uh, basement other than the fact it was cowboy themed um, but uh, at that point Pat Long was co-driving Christina's dad correct Abs- absolutely absolutely right uh, the other the other changes uh, for the IMSA car share is they will be running as 93 and 94 um, which is going to mess with my head um not sure why that is and unless him have decided you can't have um three numbers uh, anymore in gt le mans um nick tandy earl bamba back together um with patrick peeler and welcome back timo bernard and roman dumas uh, along with sven muller for the 94 car in imza strong pairings uh is uh those are the cars uh, that, uh, as they are going to Le Mans, should I say, rather than uh, in IMSA. Yeah, and IMSA will still get the 91 and the 92. The uh, the real dream team, Nick Tandy and Patrick Pele, reunited in the 91, going to try and win a championship together. And then Earl Bamber and Lawrence Fantor together in the 92. It makes for a really interesting combination there because we sort of mentioned a little bit the, the dream team that we expected to see was Bruni and Vantor running in WEC. Lawrence had such a good time running a full season in the U.S. last year that, from what I understand, he actually asked to stay over. So it'll be fun to see what he can make coming back to all these tracks, the only new one for him this year, as I believe it'll be for all of our Porsche drivers except Pile, will be mid-Ohio. So a very different landscape for Porsche. Uh, And those uh, cars for Le Mans, if they get their... Entries, Graham. Strong lineups there: Estre, Christensen, and Van. Uh, sorry, uh, Tandy, Bamba, and Pele uh, at Le Mans, and uh, Timo Bernard, Roman Dumas, Sven Muller in the the '94 car. I say if they get their entries, I'm sure they probably will. Um, but th- there is a problem with all of these entries. Four entries um, when they've only got two entries in the D- WEC, of course. Well, what it does is it puts pressure elsewhere. And I think that, you know, there's lots of points here, John. The problem that the ACO have got uh, this year for the Le Mans 24 hours is, of course, the big factory um, battle is in GTE. And why is that important? Well, it's important because that does draw the crowds. And it's also important because that's what fills the paddock, not the uh, paddock where you see the trucks and 
the cars, but the, the outer paddock where you see the great big hospitality uh, boondangles, and that's what fills the coffers. So if the factories want, the likelihood is, at the moment at least, the factories will probably get now that place's um, burden because we think that up to around seven IMSA um, based cars are likely to make the trip in June or certainly are likely to request entries for June and I think if they request them they're likely to get them a couple of people I've mentioned there who we need to sort of work out where else they'll be Timor and Roman Dumas and Sven Muller taking the 94 car if it gets the entry for the Le Mans um, 24 hours uh, Fred Makovicki and Jimmy Bruni will add to the two uh, cars in uh, the NAEC, the longer races in IMSA. So where where's Timor and Roman going to be then for the rest of the well, year, Graham? Uh, well, Timor and Roman are going to be in the other part of the effort, which is a much increased effort in GT3. Mm. So the first time we've ever seen a full factory effort uh, with the Montai racing team for the uh, Blompan Endurance Cup and that mm. will be Roman with Fred Mako that's his uh, full season and Dirk Werner that's his full season uh, Timo will be with his own family run team uh, Team 75 Bernard for the Adec GT Masters with Kevin Estra that's not now a bad lineup either is it that's you know that's a couple of you know um, sticks of dynamite to crack a nut isn't it um, so, <laughs> we'll, so we'll see in addition to that Lotterer Yanni and Brendan Hartley are all named as 2018 Porsche factory drivers. We know what Brendan's full season drive is, and it isn't a Porsche. Mm. Um, There will be something to talk about, um, well, I hope, this evening, about what the full season drives might be for Andre Lotterer and Neil Yanni. Patrick Long and your Bergmeister, as we already uh, suggested, are also named as factory drivers, and they're likely to be the nominated drivers for some pretty high-profile pro-am efforts so it they really have spread this thing far and wide there will be count them nine porsche 911 gt3 hours at least for the uh, nurburgring 24 hours of which two are going to be um monti entered all pro cars that will be old bamba kevin estre uh, patrick pilgan lodge in the 911 it will be roman dumas who stands to join the uh, record holding, I think it's a trio on five wins. He's got four with Ricard Leitz, Fred Mako and Nick Tandy in the 9-1-2. Uh, um, uh, four young names to, or young drivers to keep an eye open for. Dennis Olsen, uh, he's come out of uh, cup racing in the Middle East. Matt Campbell, Australian and done Super Cup as well. Matteo Caroli, we all know who he is. And Matthew Jaminer, we've seen him shake, uh, shake things up in the US uh, as well, um, that's young Porsche Young Professionals, they're called. That's a, another new title on me. Uh, Julian Andlauer and Thomas Prining. Can, uh, Thomas Prining continuing to be supported as a Porsche Junior in the Porsche Super Cup. Didn't cover himself in glory in the one I commentated on uh, last year. Um, it's, it's very interesting uh, for me uh, to... Uh, to see just how much Porsche are still doing and uh, Lear's waste, Graham, to anyone who thinks Porsche are scaling things down just because the P1 programme's gone. 
Well, I think it gives them the opportunity to actually get, if you like, a more global reach with probably far cheaper programs. Mm. So, you know, we wait and see what happens with the 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 uh, the tour they're going to have with all sorts of special events with the 919. That, to a degree, is literally a sideshow. Mm. What this is about is actually having Porsche factory efforts in just about every major uh, endurance race on the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, were you with Midweek Motorsport? It's Series 12, Episode 47. Uh, Shea and Gooders on the line with me, John Hindoff, and uh, up in London, of course, it's Tim Gray. We're talking sports cars uh, at the moment. Still to come, Marshall Pruitt in Hour 2. And uh, we'll be talking some IndyCar with him. Big news uh, yesterday. And we'll get him to talk a little bit about that. Shea's going to take us through some of the things that she couldn't squeeze into her uh, Daytona uh, report uh, in a few moments' time. But I want to stick with Graham Goodwin for the moment and round up a couple of other uh, a couple of other stories. Uh, Janessa have been busy uh, recently. They will be uh, unveiling their LMP1 car at the racing car show in January whilst we're all at Dubai. Yeah, um, we're, gutted. We're, we're gutted by the way that you weren't there because they're going to ask you to take the wraps off it. I know they were. That, I, I yep. literally got the email uh, for that. Uh, amazing. A um, couple of important stories uh, this week. Uh, Trans Am are going to get the G55 GT4. It's been ex- accepted. So that's interesting. We'll see that um in the US, but a really remarkable feat at uh, the end of November with a, a G57 P2 car um, out in South Africa, Graham. This is this is a stunning piece of news, and I have to say it passed me by at the time. Yep, it is. The outright lap, lap record now at Kalami. Is Kalami now owned by Porsche, do I seem to remember? Yes, correct. Um, is now held by Ginetta. I wonder how long it'll be before that 919 actually makes its way for a tour to South Africa. Hmm, just a thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a 143.212. And that was in uh, a race as well. It was in a race. Simon Murray, a brand-new Genetta G50, uh, G57. I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and it looks lovely. Um, so this is the highly developed... Uh, version of the chassis that's actually from the Genetta LMP3 with the Chevy engine at the back and far more advanced aerodynamics. And the thing is quick. Uh, Tim has just pointed out it's owned by the man in charge of South Africa Porsche dealers rather than by... Uh, your por- actual Porsche. By your yeah. actual Porsche. Um, what else have we got? Optimum going uh, back to Dubai in... Shot, sh- shot news. Shot news. Yeah. Is uh, Le Mans reverts to a sprint track format and you know yes this? that's another one yes i'll no, do that in a minute uh, let me stick let me stay with me Jeanette news for the moment uh, do, I, I'm, I'm easily put off at the moment uh optimum gt4 sp3 did i see they've also got a um uh an audi, audi. yeah they are. so it's going to be a packed grid for dubai again i'm absolutely sure beautiful livery as well for the abu dhabi racing guys with their black falcon porsche with a very bright red and black uh their treatment on their AMG GT3, but Optimum, yes, will take their two-pronged fork, which is like a pitchfork, really, isn't it, uh, <laughs> to Dubai. So that will be an Audi and a Ginetta G55, and they have spectacular success in recent years uh, at the Dubai 24 Hours, mm. as indeed does the Ginetta, which I seem to remember has won four out of the last five years. I think you might be might be right. Uh, we know that Andy Prio isn't giving up his racing anytime soon. He can't because he can't afford to because. Uh, 
uh, Seb Prior, who uh, is uh, won the 2016 uh, Junior Winter Series, came second in the Genetic Junior Championship in 17. Is off to single seater with Arden. Seb, we wish you all the best while you're spending your dad's retirement fund. Um, and whilst we're talking about young drivers getting into motor racing, um, Lawrence Tomlinson and his team up there at Garforth have have done it again uh, with. Uh, sort of arrive and drive, Piers, you go racing. No, it's not a, not sort of arrive and drive, John. It is arrive and drive. So, the, so this the is idea... like doing th- those endurance karting championships where you turn up and you put your money down and yes. you get given your machinery and off you go. Absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. They'll have a small fleet of Genetta G40s in the GRDC. Um, Genetta spec, Racing Drivers are... Club, that is. Indeed, and you know, this is a you know this is a, a road legal car. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you've driven one, haven't you? You've driven a G40, haven't you? No, I've sat in one just to prove I could I've get into it, and it's much easier now. Driven one, spun one, uh, made a deputy editor incredibly sick in one, ah. um, and they're fantastic little things. But this, the, the the concept is, you can come along if you're not ready to actually commit to a full season of racing. Something. Uh, I don't want to make a guess, but I know it's a five-figure sum, beginning with a three, and it's not to the high end of that. That uh, you basically you get a full season of racing, you get your odds test, you get uh, you get kitted up for it, and you get the car. Yeah. You know, which by the way, as I said before, is a road legal car. It's a, a right royal bargain, but you don't have to commit to that immediately. And I'm sure Lawrence would love love you to do so. And probably now screaming at the uh, at the radio. Uh, to say, don't tell them that, but um, the, you can come along, you can have a crack at this um, and see whether or not that's what takes your fancy. Uh, but I think it's a cracking idea. Yeah, it's uh, £18,490 plus fat and insurance, and you can spread that payment over the course of the season. Um, we're going to try and do a bit more on that as the season uh, evolves. And uh, the idea is that we would like to put one of our uh, team into that and see how they go. Not me. Oh, okay. I, oh, go I on. can't. Oh, go on. I'll do it. I'll I can't it. because I've got a racing license already. I'll so. do it. I'll do it. It's okay. I'll do it. I was I was drawn to that, Graham, because of their hashtag, which is I, I thought it was something to do with an electric Genetta race up in Sunderland because it's Weir E Genetta. And I, we are Genetta. I, 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 I don't really understand that. Oh, we are Genetta. I see. I was reading we it wrong. We are Genetta. Yes. That's no. no, all right. It's no all right, Lawrence. I'm on my way. I'll do it. It's okay. Just, 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 just put my name on the side of the car. I've, I've got a man from uh, KTM on the phone here. wanting to speak to Lawrence Tomlinson. He's saying no, 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 thrice no. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure he won't be the first to say no, 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 thrice no. There'll be a, there'll be a less less than orderly queue rushing for the phone now telling him not to do it uh, we were talking about uh, British GT in our game show tonight and Barwell are committing three Lamborghinis to uh, the championship for 2018 and a name returning after a gap of almost a decade and a half Johnny Cocker who I'm delighted for him Darn him still looks ridiculously young, and those of us as old as you or I, John, and that's very old indeed, remember that Johnny uh, won the title when only four years old back in 2004. <laughs> yeah. I in, uh, three years before that, Graham, when he made his debut in the Porsche Cup Correct. and was the youngest ever driver to uh, race a Porsche. Fantastic at, at stuff. That's two. That's two. He won that year with Paul Lodrisson, did he not? Uh, no, the uh, the year he won, 
that was, I think, with Tim Sugden, wasn't it? Was it? He won in a, oh my he won, goodness, in a right. won in a Porsche. Then he raced later with uh, with Paul, um, but uh, he was remarkably rapid. It was a um, bright red Porsche, initially run with Phil Hindley, and then uh, run under a different banner from memory. But uh, took the title, um, a real talent. Went on, of course, to win in GT3 with Paul Lord Drayson. Won as well an LMP1, which uh, people yes. uh, don't tend to remember. Uh, in the, I think, in the LMS, didn't he? In the Lola, didn't yeah. they take yeah. a race win? Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, uh, we've got uh, he's in with a, a young amateur who I have to admit I've not heard uh, much about before, Sam Dehan, um, but could not. Uh, be paired up with a better driver because not only is Johnny rapid, but he's a very good driver, coach and, and mentor. Uh, Phil Keane and John Minshaw are back, uh, yep. having uh, been runners-up in the championship this year. And the third Hurricane uh, in pro-arm, Patrick Kujala and Leo Matsitsky. Another champion yep. returns, and in fact, an earlier champion was actually a later champion, wasn't he? he? Was GT3 champion back in uh, must be about 2006 for Leo, uh, w- w- when he was with Barwell in the Aston Martin days. I'm trying to think who was with him that year. It wasn't Johnny, was it? <laughs> but you know, it might have been. It might have been. Um, great to see the team doing so well, and also British GT doing so well. I, I think it's going to be a cracking uh, field. Now, before we let you go, Graham, and we haven't got a lot of time uh, problem. for this. Uh, I might have to ask Tim. Shall we? Shall we leave the uh, last bit of WEC news till after still to come, or shall we do it now and be a bit late You've for still got, to come? Um, no time at all, really. So uh, we'll do it after still to come. Okay. Midweek motorsport. Half time, and while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. So in the second half of tonight's program, we'll have a little bit more. From Graham Goodwin, she will be telling us all the bits uh, that we couldn't squeeze in to the Daytona homologation test shows, the first time that we've ever covered that. And Marshall Pruitt will be talking IndyCar and any other American news that we've managed to forget. So still plenty more in the second 60 minutes of the 47th episode of Series 12. Keep the tweets coming in. I am reading them as we go along. It's at Specutainment as ever. And in about 10 seconds time from now, one of our voiceover artists is going to come in and say something. Oh no, it'll just be... Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com But before we get to Graham, uh, let's quickly give you the listeners' nominations uh, for the Spirit Award, the Listeners' Award, uh, in our show of the year, which comes up next week, of course. Yes, lots of uh, uh, drivers, teams, entities were nominated. We've picked, we were going to pick, we said last week, we were going to pick uh, four of them for you to vote on. We couldn't decide on four. Well, we so couldn't split them, could we? We've it? gone to five. Right, so these are the five most popular. Only one can win, though. Only one can win. Uh, what happens if they draw and vote? Do we get a tiebreak? What purpose is In no particular order, then, they are. Tim, what have you got? Uh, first of all, Land Motorsport. Land Motorsport won three events uh, on two different continents on the same weekend endurance racing specialist with uh, three Audi wins there including Petty Le Mans 
We have Brendan Hartley. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, won a 24-hour race in January uh, with Herbeth. Uh, won Le Mans, won Petit Le Mans, won the World Championship and got confirmed as a Formula 1 driver. And started his first Formula 1 race. Indeed, yes. Uh, we have Billy Munger. Uh, Billy Munger, for those that don't know, outside the UK, looking up, looking up had a terrible accident, has fought back from... Uh, having his legs amputated to get back in towards motorsport and has forced the uh, Motorsports Association to change the rules on amputees racing in single-seaters. Callaway Competition. Who, that's a good one, uh, who went up against the might of the German automotive industry and more and won three GT Masters uh, titles this year. And Jim McWhorter. GMW Motorsport. Uh, if you look at privateers at Le Mans, then Jim is the actual derivation of, uh, um, of that. Uh, his face will be smiling out. Fantastic year for Jim and the team. He has once again um, made it absolutely clear that the privateer has a place in top-class motorsport and at the world's greatest motorsport. So the uh, motor race. So those are the uh, those are the five that will go up on the website. Uh, vote. Uh, vote now well not now because they won't quite be up yet no um, what is the criteria for voting Tim you've got to put it up so on the website you go to the website there'll be a special page on the website right uh, where you cast your votes yep and then next week we'll up, and then we'll next week on uh, the final midweek motorsport of the year series 12 episode 48 we will announce uh, the results not just of the listener award but of the other seven categories and all the details on uh, who's been nominated and how each of the categories will be on the website uh, later this evening. Later this evening, first thing tomorrow morning. Right, OK, so there'll be a story at RadioLamont.com. All right, let's uh, press on with the show. Uh, well, before we go back to uh, Graham and uh, WEC news, mm-hmm. which is worth staying around oh, for. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned endurance karting just now, John. I did, yes. Which reminded me of another news story that uh, we have to cover. Okay. Because the longest distance covered in 24 hours in a go-kart, the record was broken at the weekend. Uh, define kart, and also surely it depends on what type of circuit. Where was it broken? Some it's, it was broken on the Circular Head Cart Club circuit, right? Uh, which is on the west coast of Tasmania. Right. Um, so far, west coast Tasmania is actually closer to Phillip Island than it is to Hobart. <laughs> okay. Um, and Jake Sale was the um, driver. Or on his own? Yes. That's how you do this uh, karting endurance over 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. Uh, And how far did he get? 1,378 kilometres, 464 metres, beating the previous record by 17 kilometres. I need to find out more about that because I've I've done a 24-hour kart race, but as a member of a team... And it was absolutely gruelling beyond anything I've ever done yes. in motorsport or otherwise. And we, we actually won it, the, the first one that we ended. And that was on a 1,200-metre circuit. And that was massively gruelling with, I think, three of us driving, maybe 
four. No, I think there was three. Yeah, for the, for the Guinness World Record, it's uh, one driver for 24 hours. How, oh, right. Okay. Uh, he said uh, there were ow, 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 and ow. several near misses with wildlife, and he was sick into his helmet. But he was just out there on his own. He wasn't actually in a race, was he? Not in a race, no. Mm, okay. We were lapping lap after lap. Uh, we'll stay with endurance now as Graham Goodwin of uh, DailySportsCar.com, the uh, editor of that august publication. 24 hours in a cart? Is, is that, uh, you're not volunteering for that one, Mr uh, Goodwin? Uh, no, but I think I'm going to protest at what you said, John. You've just told the listener a lie. What? You just said that that was the most gruelling thing you'd ever done in motorsport. Right. But I think I bring forward the case of the prosecution. Right. Uh, that you have indeed shared a car with me on a road trip across Europe. <laughs> I also did a 25-hour lawnmower race once, which I'm just reminded of by the responsible adult. Though that was Again, l- you weren't solo on that, although you may as well have been. I, I may as well have been because everyone else during the night decided that once the brakes had gone on the on the uh, lawnmower that they were going home and um, I was just left to go around I virtually had to uh, virtually had to refuel it myself as well and no shit not <laughs> measured in acres moan uh, to be honest um, let, let's get back to no, mo- hectares hectares um, let's go back to uh, more traditional forms of endurance racing then and uh, news Earlier this week, which Graham may well be able to update us on uh, at uh, just after nine o'clock now, as it is here in the UK, that um, Rebellion Racing were looking at a absolute quality lineup for the transition season. Bruno Senna, Matthias Besch, um, possibly with Neil Johnny uh, and uh, Andre Lotterer, Thomas Laurent. I, I mean, just. Every, it seems like every man and his dog wants to be in that team. Graham, how's the story progressed uh, since uh, you posted the story earlier in the week? Well, whether at the point at which I'm speaking, and I'm a little offline at the moment, uh, whether the point at which I'm speaking, the announcement has yet been made. The answer is that we will see Rebellion Racing into LMP1 again after just a year in LMP2, uh, where, of course, they won the title, thereby meaning they've won a title in every single year of FIWEC competition. Mm. They'll be back in LMP1 with an Orica chassis. Not sure yet of what the engine is going to be, but it looks like it's heading towards a normally aspirated option. Um, Two cars. Uh, it will be six high-quality drivers. You're quite right. The uh, the guys you actually named uh, have been linked with the program. Not all of those at the time that I've donned this headset were confirmed. Okay. I can tell you. Bruno Senna that... and Neil Gianni, though, I think are yes. already contracted through the, the transition season, aren't they? I, I believe that to be the case. It's a straight, a straight answer. Uh, I believe there is a high likelihood that, uh, that we'll see uh, Andre Lotra linked in with that. Uh, amongst others, we know that Gustavo Menezes deeply impressed the team with mm. his performance at uh, Petit Le Mans and indeed is a Rebellion timepieces ambassador. Mm. Thomas Laurent has uh, been in high demand and of course it will be Thomas' his, uh, first season as a gold-rated driver. Matthias Besch, of course, along time um uh you know a, a long time rebellion racer would not be surprised if one or two of those names were not on the final list but uh you have to say that is cars eight and nine by my reckoning mm-hmm. in what is a growing lmp1 cabal Graham, you, you said auric chassis so not rebellion r1 chassis 
no, they, 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 that's that's done. I think the answer here oh, is really? it would be a new new product. Uh, it would be, and there will be some changes, I believe, too, in the way that team will be structured. Ulrika will be taking a much greater part. Well, that's in interesting because I I've been seeing earlier on in the year because I, I'd heard this from a number of different uh, sources sensible people um, here who know what they're talking about, that the R1 was coming back, but it was not necessarily going to be Rebellion as a team that would run it, and it might be an Orica-run team. It, it would seem that part of that was true, but maybe people were putting two and two together and making five. Well, I think the thing is, what we've seen since the R1 is that the lessons learned in the process to develop the 07 LMP2 car mean that the aerodynamics have moved on somewhat. Uh, There are clearly changes in the regulations which there's the opportunity to take advantage of. Uh, They'd want to do that. Uh, And that said, as well, of course, the Orica Zero, the uh, sorry, Rebellion Zero uh, R1s uh, are not, therefore, uh, kind of race fresh. They've got uh, miles under their wheels, including the Le Mans 24 hours. You would want to come back and take another look. I do expect this to still be branded as Rebellion Racing, mm-hmm. and I do expect that we will still see some very familiar faces uh, garage side for that, but that we'll be seeing a lot more Orica personnel in the garage. It will, by the way, John, the other important part of this is it will be the only team, whatever else emerges um, in the close season, that will be fielding the Orica LMP1 chassis. The 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 Orica um, 07, the, the LMP2 car, how close is that chassis-wise to the R1 anywhere? And therefore, how much is going to carry over into the into the P1 car, I suppose, is what I'm talking I know that that was proprietary to Rebellion, but I, but I also know Orica and Udi Shornak being Udi Shornak, he's, he's not going to throw a good idea away. No, and I think, you know, what we don't know yet is exactly what lessons are going to be learned. Remember, they're very busy indeed at the moment at Orica. Every query that's been thrown their way has been rebutted to this point with the answer, we are absolutely all in for our effort for Daytona, of course, with the Accurating Penske efforts. So they clearly, with a kind of factory backed and, you know, and a team as high profile um, as, as Penske, that's not one, that's not a ball they want to drop. So there's a lot going on there right now, but there is a project team on this. It will include some very heavy hitters indeed. As to whether or not you're going to see more R1 or more 07 in that car, I think that's still to be seen. We've seen how remarkably effective the 07 package is. There is a little more aerodynamic freedom for LMP1. I think you'll see something maybe a little more radical again. Uh, whether or not the the, uh, the the actual chassis is transferable uh, you know, as, as it stands, the answer from a P2 is not quite. Uh, there is the, uh, the issue of a 100mm overhang uh, yeah. that uh, would have needed. Basically, the, the major difference is 100mm and something like half a million euros. Mm. Ah, okay. Well, you know, at, what's half a million euros and 100mm between friends? Uh, some people would say um, 100mm is worth half a million euros. Um, before I let you go, Graham, and we move on to, to Cher, who's, who's patiently waiting, but I know she's listening intently to everything that's going on. Got to finish with the numbers game. Um, yeah. And this isn't uh, one of Tim's fiendish uh, board uh, panel games, rather, uh, here on Midweek Motorsport. Um, there is a, a, an issue that we have talked about on this programme, you've talked about on dailysportscard.com, that's been looming for quite some time. Um, events sort of overtaken it in terms of the headline event uh, at Le Mans because of the... Uh, the factories leaving LMP1 hybrid. However, 
behind that is still a real issue for the ACO and particularly for the ACO invitation committee because let's not forget that Le Mans is an invitation race there are automatic in invitations I use those words very carefully because there's no such thing as an automatic invitation you can be turned down even if you think you've got an automatic entry it doesn't happen very often but if the ACO uh, and their committee thought that you were not living up to the uh, standards of the sport, you might not get it. Um, we could have literally just a handful of cars from major series and major entrants getting getting a pass to go to the biggest race of the year. We could. Let's deal with the bold numbers. Now, I mean, uh, by most reckoning at the moment, the uh, the numbers for the full season of the FIWC are likely to increase from the full season 26 we saw this year. Uh, my view, I think we're going to see between 32 and 34 full season cars. That includes, obviously, a much increased number of LMP ones it yep. includes a slight reduction we believe in lmp2 which, which some people a, are going to move over i understand it, that yeah indeed and it then it includes mild increases in both uh, both gt pro and gte am that gives you somewhere in the low to middle 30s uh, that's more than half the entry 60 cars yeah. remember with the extended entry that was announced just a couple of years ago you then get into um the automatic entries and there's a wide variety uh, that are actually allowed there. There's the class winners at Le Mans. Uh, there's the European Le Mans series, which gets um, four overall champions, LMP2, LMP3 champions, get an LMP2 entry, and the first two cars in GTE. You've got the Michelin Le Mans Cup, which rather oddly, you get an entry for the GT winner, but not the LMP3 yeah, winner. Yeah, that's an odd one. There's the IMSA at-large entries, the Jim Truman Award. That goes to JDC Miller. Ben Keating um, gets the uh, GTE AM entry courtesy of the Bob Aiken Award. And uh, rumours were abound that perhaps that might feature a Ford GT. It won't. No. Uh, Asia Le Mans series gets I think four ben, entries. I think Ben said that to us at the uh, 24. Yeah, indeed. Uh, at quarter. Yep, uh, the uh, the Asia Le Mans series gets four, one for each of the uh, class winners in the relevant classes and one for the GT runners-up. Uh, when you look at who those entries are going to or where they're likely to go to, somewhere between 11 and 13 will be added to that 32 to 34. Right. Okay? So, so that you're getting... could be 47. 45 to 47 cars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or 41 to 47. Yeah. Um, 43, sorry, to 47. Add to that, though, the issue we were talking about a little earlier, John, and up to, I think, up to seven um, GTLM cars from IMSA could be requesting entries for the Le Mans 24 hours. That's the two Corvettes. Yeah. The two additional Chip Ganassi no. uh, for Chip Ganassi Racing. I don't think uh, they'll go. You don't think they'll go? Right. We'll come back to that. No, so that's, that's, just, that's just my thought. And, okay. and, I'll t and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why now about that. I don't think you were on the show. You were um, Asian globetrotting uh, when we talked about this. The reason that Ben Keating's not taking a, a Ford GT is because um, the UK team, which would have been the team running it, felt that they couldn't take, or supporting it, they couldn't take on that car. And I thought that was an interesting thing to say because they were worried about extra spares and blah, 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 and running a customer car. And I thought, well, surely if there's four cars going, there'll be enough spares. And then it dawned on me, there won't be four cars going. There'll only be two. OK, well, we'll see. Uh, that's, I mean, just, that's, that's just my thought. 
certainly certainly think that we, we've got to kind of bear in mind that the that the, the possibility slash probability is you've, you've got to build that in yeah. add into that the potential for risi competizione yes to go to uh, go again and that makes seven so you're then getting to something between 50 to 54 cars with a 60 car limit now even if you add into that another little bit of kind of rub off uh, of uh, cars that don't make it for one reason or another that then leaves you with somewhere between six and 12 spaces with a heavy emphasis probably being on the lower number but what haven't you got well what you've not got with the exception of the class winners last year um uh, at uh, Le Mans and uh, at, in the um, the LMS are any of what lo- looks likely at the moment to be north of 15 LMP2 cars from the, the LMS. LMS. It means you've not got any bar the top two cars in the GTE class, which, by the way, is probably where you're going to get the overspill from the WEC overspill yeah uh, because there will be that will be oversubscribed in gtm for sure and neither does it give you any additional entries that might want to come from imsa over and above those uh, yep. two at large no, entries and uh, anything from asia either where of course the aco are looking to actually encourage more people to come now there is one slight balancing factor here john in fact there's a couple but one of them is the number of auto entries that are going to go to some teams JMW Motorsport have already got two. They get it for winning LMS and they get it for one for winning Le Mans. However, they have to enter two cars to, to cash those two in. Well, apologies for using that term in this instance, yeah, but yeah. that's what it is. Uh, they'd have to enter two cars in a full season of ACO rules racing um, uh, in the LMS, in the WEC, um, in Asia Le Mans series, or in IMSA racing. IMSA counts mm. for this in a relevant class. Uh, okay, right. Okay. okay. Um, you've then got TF Sports who get their entry for second place in the LMS and are seeking, we believe, an entry in the WEC. So they would get that for the WEC and would then have an auto entry in the bank. You then get to the extraordinary story of the Jackie Chan DC racing with Jota Sports mm-hmm. um, uh, combo, who uh, look shoe in for two entries in LMP2, we think, although there's one slight concern about that at the moment not for this program oh, okay. uh, for wec right. uh, they won Le Mans, of course in lmp2 yeah. second overall that fantastic win there and at the moment lead both the lmp2 and lmp3 classes in the asia Le Mans series they could end up with five okay yeah now you then get to the other point here which is you can't have five you can only have two per team per license per team name well, they actually qualify there as well because Jackie Chan DC Racing is the name for the team this year yes. in the WEC. It won't be the same team name next year. It'll be a subtly different name. And it's a third different name for the, the teams that is as it's currently being campaigned in Asia. That is Jackie Chan DC Racing by Jota Sports. Yep. So they, at the moment... They've played the game. Well done for them. They've, they've entered races. They've won races. They've won championships. Let's wait and see how that one pans out. So the reality there is, unless deals can be done with the uh, with the ACO selection committee, uh, it could be a very happy Christmas indeed uh, across in Tunbridge the, Wells, where the Jota Sport team are actually. The problem. Based. The problem with all of this. And I'll bring Shea Adam in on this as well. Is we know that there are teams out there. And it's not just the big manufacturer teams for whom Le Mans is the uh, centre um, of, of their world. But there are teams who are literally building their whole programme 
uh, mm-hmm. around getting a place at Le Mans. And, you know, you could look at that and think, why bother even doing ELMS? Why bother doing an ACO championship? Because I haven't got a hope. Yeah. Well, and, and how do you spell, spell sponsorship when you're going to these people saying, hey, you're going to have your name on the side of a car at Le Mans, we think, yes. with that big asterisk on the side there. That's not how this works. So it really makes everyone's life a lot more complicated. And then especially, as Graham was mentioning, all the extra cars from championships like IMSA who apply. And then, I mean, come on, you can't argue with the racing that we bring. If you take the Corvettes out of the finish last year at Le Mans, then you just have the Aston Martin basically running away from the Ford. Um, so it, it does add an element to the race, but it is a very difficult tightrope to walk. I, I don't know what I would do if I was in their position. I think the ACO have a real issue, particularly with GTE Pro, um, where they may have to say that only uh, GTE Pro teams who are in the, the WEC get get an entry. And that will hurt uh, Corvette. But as Shay, you've, you've interviewed... Doug Feehan for us, where he said, I keep trying to sell the WEC, but the the truth is that as long as we've got Le Mans, that's our global coverage. We don't need to do the WEC. Exactly. And they start preparing for Le Mans the day after the race. They start preparing for the next year's race. Even though they run the full IMSA championship, Le Mans is the big focus because that is the global platform. And as you said, talking to Doug so many times over the years, his big thing is he can't sell racing on other continents to the big wigs at GM when they're not selling Corvettes in every country necessarily. So for them, that is their global platform, that one race. How is the WEC supposed to deny Corvette if they deny BMW two extra cars, Porsche two extra cars, Ford two extra cars? It would have to be all or nothing. Yeah. Uh, The new Corvette uh, could well be a world car. That might change life there. Uh, Tim Gray has a question on this, uh, our executive producer up in London. Tim? Uh, Going back to Graham's point about uh, Jackie Chan DC Racing and Mm -hmm. its similarly named sister teams... (laughs) Subtly differently named. Subtly differently named. Yes. Do they physically have enough different chassis to enter five times, or are they using the same Oricas in different championships? Well, the two Oricas in Asia are Orica 05s, so actually new build Orica 05s. So they're the old, still the old spec in Asia. So their Orica Nissans, uh, extraordinarily, were built uh, new for this season. But uh, the answer is... They don't, but equally well, if no one else is racing their cars or then the reality, I I think that there's every chance that they may choose to race three cars, but then it's a matter of what they're entitled to do with the other two entries. We've seen other teams do this. I mean, uh, the Eurasia entry, for instance, at the Le Mans 24 hours last year was effectively out racing. Yes. uh, Albeit with some of Mark Goddard's people attached to uh, that entry. But it's going to be an interesting time. My, My concern, John, on this one, it's not this year. I think this year will work its way out. But if you do get to the stage where you've got north of a dozen or 15 LMP2 cars, and for that matter, I think an increased GTE uh, uh, cabal in uh, in the LMS as well, and they don't get the entries, what then happens in 2019 when the precise same issue reoccurs? Well, it's. It, I mean, it's worse in some respects um, because that's the end of the WEC transition season. In Correct. 19. So we know there's a finite number of cars going to Le Mans from the WEC in 2018 uh, and 2019. Uh, 
it's it's what happens. The ELMS is still a summer series. So the yep. ELMS in 2019, if that goes gangbusters, or, or, or does it put people off from entering the ELMS in 2019? Because they go... That, that's my concern. We, that we, is my we didn't concern. get our entry last year at Le Mans. There's no point in us even trying well, I think that's the concern is that, that, you know, realistic, if you look at the, the fixed points here, according to the rules, if you do the uh, if you go in for the WEC for 2018, you're there for 19 as well, which means the same 32, 33, 34 spaces are already taken again. Mm-hmm. There is no reason to expect or, or that there'd be much of a difference in terms of the way that the marketing might work for any of the GTE pro teams, with the possible exception that why would BMW not send for the following year? It might be worse. Mm. The only difference, of course, is that uh, 2019 is likely the last time we'll see the four GTs. Uh, uh, yes, yes, um, and 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 watch this space uh, for 2018 to whether it's two, uh, whether the the Chip Ganassi cars make the trip. Um, Share me. Uh, may have some uh, insight onto that. We'll talk to her in a moment. Graham, thanks very much. Good catch-up tonight. Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com. And uh, don't forget uh, www.dailysportscar.com for all of your sports car news. Or you could go to racer.com as well because uh, that is also a good place to go. And we'll have Marshall Pruitt from there in a moment or two. But let's uh, give Shea her five minutes uh, of freedom. Uh, freedom. Of fame and fortune. No, sorry. Freedom's fine. Freedom, yes. Fly, fly. Freedom fly, works. Shea, I'm an fly, American. Um, uh Fabulous. It, it seemed to be a fabulous event. The uh, homologation test it doesn't sound very sexy, but with all the new cars that we had at uh, Daytona <laughs> last week, uh, it, it, it was something to be seen. There was a few people turned up and came through the gates by the, the look of the uh, the pictures that I saw taken by various people on their phones and one or two people uh, wandering a- around. Um, we couldn't squeeze it all into the two one-hour programmes. We wanted to get all of the interviews in that. Um, what can you tell us about bits and pieces of gossip that was going around uh, and first of all it, it, not not necessarily useful for the teams because they weren't necessarily getting long runs because they were doing balance of performance <laughs> runs as dictated by the series well yeah the, the ones who were allowed to do long runs such as porsche for the most part ran long runs they did whatever felt right for them but there were some teams in particular who had to do the four lap segmented runs at a more consistent frequency than others uh one team who was doing that a lot was the wayne taylor racing group our defending series champions in prototype very clear now in that team that jordan is driver one he was doing most of those short runs and renger said Yeah, you know, it's because he knows the car and he's familiar with all that. But out of the three sessions that they ran, and more on that in a second, it was Jordan driving probably 90% of the time. So that's a a big shift in the attitude from that team, of course, losing Ricky to Penske. Now there's not that sense of both drivers have equal say, at least not yet. Ranger will come in and he will change that eventually. But the way it is right now, Jordan is number one. Ranger is number two. 
I mentioned a second ago that the uh, third session uh, was relevant for Wayne Taylor Racing. Their engine was impounded by IMSA. It was going to be taken up to Charlotte to the NASCAR Tech and Development Center, where they were going to take it apart and make sure that everything was as it should be. Max Angelelli was not very happy about that when I saw him. But what's interesting about this is, remember what happened at Petit Le Mans? Do you, do you remember what happened to the car when Ryan hunter Ray was driving it, John? Uh, it was quite quick. The engine expired. Oh, yes. And uh, it, it went kapowy. Yes, it went so kapow early is, on, didn't it? Yes, of course it did. Yeah. So, so this engine that they've impounded is still a relatively new engine. So it, it's just interesting as to why that team would be singled out. But they didn't get any laps at all during the fourth session, which is, of course, midweek motorsport one week ago. Um, there was a very clear edict that I, I talked quite a bit about during the uh, two programs because it resonated so much, saying basically don't mess around. Who did we see showing their true pace? Well, I think we saw the core Orica showing its true pace because when Colin Brown was behind the wheel of that thing, oh my goodness, it was flying through the trioval. That team plus an Orica tends to do well. Just look at the PC championships that they won in the past. It just tends to work. There were a couple of teams that seemed to have issues. Um, I'll put it nicely, mechanical issues. Right. Penske had both cars in the garage for various reasons at various times throughout the roar, as did uh, the Onroke-supported Ligier and the ESM Ligier. I think from the Ligier point of view, it was a bit more of troubles hitting them as opposed to them playing games. But from what I heard when the Penske's were out on track, when people were running stopwatches on them, they were about two seconds off the pace. And those cars don't look like they should be two seconds off the pace. No. If we come to the roar and they don't, quote unquote, qualify as well as we expect them to, I won't be surprised. But if those cars are not on pole for the actual 24, the Rolex 24 at the end of January, that will come as a big surprise. Those cars are good. Uh, at one point, I talked to Simon Pagino, and he said it's like driving a little Peugeot. Wow. He was smiling from ear to ear. It's just a very solid program. Mm -hmm. And I'm expecting really good things from it, even if we didn't necessarily see that last week. Uh little bit of shopping around going on, allegedly. You spotted a couple of people who told you they were looking at setups in people's garage. What was all <laughs> that about? I did. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the engineers from Jackie Chan DC Racing used to be with Straka yep. and has been a pal of Joe Bradley's for a long time. When he caught eyes with me as we were walking by some of the prototype garages, there was that sort of moment of, oh, no, somebody recognizes me. Um, there was two gentlemen. They were walking around in, in very proper clothing, white button-down shirts, black pants. The only thing to give away what team they were from was a belt that they were wearing, each of them, a red belt, and then it had the logo of the team on it. <laughs> so they were sort of snooping around. They were looking in the prototype garages. And when I Not the GT said, hey, garages. Not the GT garages. No, no, garage. no. They stayed on. So where, so where was this? This was Penske, Wayne Taylor Racing, Mazda Yost. It was, it was Penske, Wayne Taylor, Mazda, a little bit of ESM. But basically the way that the garages were set up, the first, I don't know, 12 or so toward the track of the real garages, they mm. were all prototypes. I never saw the guys get to the 13th garage. They were staying down in that prototype area. Okay. And they said they were checking out different setups, getting ideas of what to do. We'll see if that actually turns out to be true. Mm. Um, I... I think we might see Jackie Chan DC racing in the endurance 
series if i'm honest over in the us they like they love their racing uh generally speaking though it seems everybody enjoyed it they found uh, it pretty good uh, mazda of course was one of the big stories they are going to be a force to be reckoned with john the cars are basically different beasts from the last time we saw them and not only the cars but all the equipment they are starting over fresh mm. not a bolt has been carried over this is a new team the nose of the cars looks more aggressive and one thing i picked up on was every time that they sent the cars from the pit boxes they fired them up had the engines already revving within an inch of their life knocked them into gear and sent them they weren't happy idling so they got going really quickly but once they did get out on track we saw more representative times mazda team yost they weren't exactly playing around when the cars were on track they were going well the problem was with the second car, I believe it was the 55, it didn't get out running until Sunday, sometime in the afternoon. They had a, a bit of struggle with that car. But again, I don't think that was a tactical thing. I believe it, it was a, a true issue. Um, they did get most of their drivers in the car. Some of the normal drivers didn't get to turn many laps, partially because they are up at Daytona right now running yes. another test. I saw that. I've seen the uh, I've seen the the social media for that as well. And um, they're being quite coy about their driver lineups, telling us that perhaps the guys that we saw paired at the test <laughs> might not be the the guys they they finish up with. They're, they're still sort of working around that. Yeah, they sort of just took their six and put them in an order that they felt would be a good test for the guys. So for the the car that ran the majority of the time, it was Ollie Jarvis and uh, Rene Rast turning the most laps in the number 77. Tristan Nunez didn't even really put his fire suit on for more than a photo shoot, as I can remember. Um, but I don't think Ollie and Rene are actually at Daytona right now for that test. Ollie might be. Rene isn't from his Instagram account, at no. least from what I can tell of stalking them through that. Um, but they do have all the guys up there elsewise running for the test. Now, Tristan said he really hoped that he and Jonathan don't get split up because they've worked so well together as a team over the last few years, but it's TBD as far as they knew. Uh, and, uh, Marshall Pruitt is on the line from racer.com. We'll bring him in at this point. Hello, Marshall. How are you? I am well, and it's great to hear the, uh, sensible young adult. Oh, yes. On the line here, uh, Adam. Bar one oh, wow, uh, with with Mazda uh, at Daytona uh, as well uh, this week, I believe. Marshall, is that right? Yes, and as a uh, Multimatic, a Riley Mark Thirty Multimatic team, uh, they are in a trickle down position hmm. where uh, Multimatic, with the Joker, the Grand Joker, allocated by the FIA, an ACO for them to use on that Mark Thirty. Well, Mazda, specifically Mazda Team Yost, with their RT24P, which is based on that Mark 30, they have been the chosen development effort. And so obviously there are things that will definitely benefit their DPI, but the things that are really being tasked, the big ticket items, are all things that would be universal across that Mark 30. So uh, wholesale changes to the back of the car in terms of suspension and cooling, etc. But a lot of those changes that will uh, certainly be desired by the Bar 1 folks, Brian Alder and his team, those things will be tested and signed off on the Mazda program and then uh, manufactured and sent their way to use with their WEC P2, oh, wow. the X X Ben Keating car. Ah, okay. Uh, let's move on to GT Le Mans. Um, 
lot of new cars there, but there was one team that was miss- missing at the homologation uh, test year. And their presence was felt, I think, every single Lack person of in GTLM. Yeah. yeah. That was Corvette, <laughs> of course. They they did not show up to this test. They were invited and they did not come. Um, that leads me to believe that they haven't done a lot of big changes on their car from last year to this year. And quite frankly, why should they? They got four wins over the course of the year and won the championship. Uh, they were battling most closely against BMW last year, who also got four wins. BMW have their new car, the Mate, as I do love calling mm-hmm. it. Thanks for that, Don. Um, but their driver lineups are still a bit of a question. We know that uh, Jonathan Edwards and Connor Felipe will be two of their full-time in the U.S., Bill Oberlin taking a step out of the seat for most of the races, still doing the four big endurance races. But who's going to be in the other car? Or who's going to be the other two? Because, of course, now they have that other car, well, the other program to fill over in the WEC. And one big thing with BMW, they struggled leaving the pit box several times throughout the course of the day when the car was going out onto the track. It would get going, and then it would just completely shut down three-finger salute, and sometimes needing to be pulled back to its pit box to get it out on track. And, and if you missed that, don't forget that Bill Oberlin has dropped back to the endurance uh, side uh, uh, of that. Uh, we still believe that the, the Zora project, uh, the mid-engine Corvette, is is on its way, not for next year, clearly, by the way. Uh, what about Reese? And uh, Not likely to do a full season, share? No, and, and very disappointing, but very understandable. Giuseppe suffered quite a damage house in Hurricane Harvey and in rebuilding all that has sort of come to the realization that there are more important things in life to spend money on than motor racing. That's not to say that the team is going to back out completely and if he was to get more help from Marinello we could see the team full time again next year but one thing that was is that Tony Vlander will be the full just starting to lose you there, Shea. Just one second. Yeah, looks like it'll be ones that Giuseppe really likes. Okay. And just struggling that with uh, okay. Shea at the moment. I'm just going to uh, reconnect to Shea and see if that gets better. So if you missed that, Tony Vlander just mentioning that he is likely to be the full-time driver. Need to uh, rush on a little bit here, Shea. Uh, new colour scheme for Ford. Um, they've retired one of the old cars with 30,000 miles on it. That's the 67 <laughs> car has uh, a brand new uh, chassis. And uh, Sebastian Bordier was there but didn't do any laps. I didn't see him do any laps in that car, and I did see Joey Hand and Dirk Mueller's helmets quite frequently. So that was one thing that just stuck out. But, of course, the guy who's won the race twice doesn't really need a bunch of laps. But the the blue lightning, frozen white, and liquid red on those Fords. Straight car oh, colors. looks really good. Yeah, straight oh, car colors. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Marshall Pruitt yeah. uh, with us here. I mean, the big thing at Chip Ganassi is the turnover of staff. Um, their IndyCar program has been scaled down. Something like 50 employees been let go? Yeah, it's a lot. And I'm really upset that no one has uh, done a car in the color Blurple, uh, you know, with all these other fantastic games. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been uh, there's been downsizing, which is a, a lovely way of saying 
half of their IndyCar funding went away. But granted, uh, it also reappeared uh, formal confirmation this morning, something we've known for quite some time, that Max Chilton and Charlie Kimball will be driving for dear Trevor Carlin mm. as Carlin Racing makes the step up to the Verizon IndyCar Series next year, but not at the expense of his championship-winning Indy Lights team, so that's fantastic. So uh, Trevor spoke with him this morning, and uh, yeah, quite happy to say that he now has a, a final step on the North American open-wheel ladder that he, can, that he can offer young drivers as they come up uh, through his programs, either in Europe or in America, so good on him. But back to your point on Ganassi staffing, uh, with that uh, 50% loss of uh, cars and drivers and mechanics and otherwise engineers, we have a lot of people that have moved on to other things. Brandon Fry, for example, who was Chilton's engineer at Ganassi. Well, he's now technical director at uh, BMW Team RLL, and you can move on down the list. There's a lot of good people who moved on. Lindsey Stover, who was uh, looked after PR for uh, Tony Kanon and I believe Charlie Kimball at Ganassi. She moved over with Charlie to uh, and Max to Carlin, so she's looking after their okay. IndyCar PR. So it's these kinds of things where uh, I don't think any of our friends' phone numbers have changed. We just might have to update our iPhones and Samsungs and whatnots uh, to change the team name that they uh, happen to be from Ganassi to uh, wherever else. Uh, that, that's quite big news for IndyCar that, uh, that Carlin have committed as well. It's showing that the series in a pretty good light, I would have thought. Consider this. Last year, we had three teams make very short, call them part-time debuts. We had Michael Shank Racing do a one-off at the Indy 500. We had Hunkos Racing that had two cars, but also did a, call it a one-off debut at the Indy 500. Then we also had Harding Racing that did uh, Indy 500 and I think Pocono, and I might be missing one other race, but they did two, maybe three races this year. We have Harding going full-time. We have Carlin with one car for Gabby Chavez. We have Carlin Racing stepping up full-time with two cars. And we have Shank coming in for six. I have a feeling it might be a little closer to eight. Uh, but nonetheless, we have Shank, who will be close to a half season. And we have Hunkos, which should be at least four races with defending Indy Lights champion, actually say defending, reigning, he will mm -hmm. no longer defend, uh, or have a reason to defend his Indy Lights championship, Kyle Kaiser. So in a span of a year, IndyCar will have four, uh, I would say, new entrants from the perspective of this, while only Carlin will be truly brand new to IndyCar, these are all teams that dipped their toe in the water, liked what they found enough, and found enough of a budget to say, okay, we're coming back either full-time, um, part-time, but whatever it is, I don't think it's going to be too long before we're talking about all four of these teams being full-time entrants. And for wow. a domestic championship, Hindy, like IndyCar, uh, something that is unique where we have our own chassis, own engine regs. This isn't, you know, no, this is, isn't GT3 where, you know, Belgian team WRT can come on over and, yeah. and join in. When you have four teams committing uh, to expanded or larger programs during a single off season, I honestly, I cannot, rec I cannot recall the last time this happened. Uh, we can say we can look back to 2008 
when Champ Car in the IndyCar series, quote, merged, which was really Champ Car dying and IndyCar <laughs> buying the assets. And we had a number of Champ Car teams uh, step in and move over. But for the most part, I cannot recall the time where four teams in one offseason said, yep, we're getting in. So on a different topic for another day, that doesn't mean everything's healthy and perfect in IndyCar. There's still some some glaring wounds that need to be uh, patched over, healed, and, and hopefully forgotten about. But when you see four teams committing, it at least tells you that the business reasons to be involved, which have not always been clear, are becoming more clear. So for that, I'm very thankful. Um, I just want to finish uh, with share uh, on the, um, the wrap from the homologation test and GTD. There's a lot happening in GTD and we probably need to spend a bit more uh, time on it. But a couple of things that uh, I uh, picked up from chatting with Cher is uh, Corey Lewis uh, hanging around Paul Miller Racing. What does that mean for change racing in the, in the Lamborghini? From what I hear, Change Racing will not be back. Uh, the funding behind Change Racing going away. Corey, who has a program with Matthew Dickin in the LMP3 category of the IPC series, uh, he was saying that things look like he he's still a Lamborghini driver, so he might be able to do some races with the remaining Lamborghini team, which would be Paul Miller Racing, of more on which we'll hear later uh, in the season as that progresses. We've also, by rumor, lost Park Place Motorsport, which makes me quite sad to hear about. But on that note, I count 34 full season teams right now. So it's oh, not well, like hang things on, are bad. Hang We're on. getting some teams. Hang on. Losing Park Place yeah. to where? Uh, to the WEC is what I've heard. Really? That, uh, going into the... Yes, going into the transition series, running that many races was apparently a better-looking budget for the team. That All, all whispers wow. I've heard from a variety of different people in the paddock, uh, but losing Park Place, which might represent why Jörg Bergmeister was driving the Allegra Porsche and not the Park Place Porsche at right. the test. Okay. Um, so we'll have to see how that pans out. But keep in mind, we've got Magnus coming back. We've got uh, P1 coming in with the program as told us by uh, Kenton Cook in one of the previous shows. So it's not all doom and gloom in GTD. Uh, no, no, well, not at all, uh, because um, I, I think that uh, we've got plenty of, of cars in GTD. Uh, I mean, bad news for Park Place, but Lamborghini aren't going away from, from GTD, uh, Marshall Pruitt, and um, there are other teams that have uh, Lamborghini connections, shall we say, running cars in and helping to run cars in, in Lamborghini uh, Super Trofeo. Yes, um, well, this isn't a, a new topic, but just spoke with Wayne Taylor last week uh, before he hopped on a plane to head home to South Africa for the holidays and said that, you know, things are moving along conversationally with Lamborghini regarding Wayne Taylor Racing and its uh, friends and delegates at Prestige Preparation mm. uh, to the ones who do look after the uh, WTR Lamborghini Super Trofeo entry. Um, 
did mention that you know there's nothing done, nothing to report, but uh, they are deep in conversation. Do I think that there might be a little bit more to that? Absolutely. Do I know that uh, at least for what I've heard, other teams that have used the baby bowls in competition in GTD, uh, saying that you know a support package of you know, uh, possibly a car. If we think you have great potential to a couple hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars, a number that I've heard quite a bit as a uh, an assistance package. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, if the change racing team does not return, which I've heard the same thing, Shay, that uh, are not expecting that to be back. Unfortunately, I do know that some of the potential money or equipment and otherwise could easily be slid over to a prestige or another team if uh, someone has a strong business case. When I did when I did sit down with uh, and I'm forgetting the gentleman's name because I'm a bad human being. But when I sat down with uh, one of the heads of Lamborghini's R&D efforts at uh, Monterey, he did say very clearly the one change they want to make for 2018 is any teams they're involved with in GTD, they want to be sure that they can win a championship for Lamborghini, which is interesting, right? And Shay, I mean, this straddles the line of uh, manufacturers play in GTLM and privateers play in GTD. So uh, granted, every manufacturer in GT with a cars in GTD wants their teams to win championships for them. Just interesting to hear someone say, eh, we might be a little more choosy about where we apply some extra leverage or support. Buy the cars, but are we going to show up and try and give you that extra push? Mm. Depends on who you are. Yeah, and Shay, one of the things that uh, you were telling me about is that there's two different types of entry as well this year. Uh, there's standard and premium. How, how's that working, and how will that potentially affect funding? I believe premium well, comes with French fries. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you asked Shay. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Th- I, trust I you to think of the, the food thing. Scheme with French fries. Yeah, absolutely. How does yeah. it work? The premium entrance, basically you sign up at the beginning of the year, you say that you're going to run every single race that you're eligible for that your class goes to, and you are entered for end-of-the-year prize money. Right. If you do a standard entry, which means you enter race by race, you don't pay up front. You basically go along and cherry pick which events you want to do. Right. No matter where you finish in the championship, you don't get that money at the end of the year. Ooh, okay. Uh, that's interesting. Um, well, it's interesting. And I don't mean to be the uh, the voice of dissension here, but if you take a look at what that prize money package involves uh, – yeah. We're not talking about a major <laughs> windfall here. No, no. So true enough. That, that's that's yeah. the proviso. No, that that is true. But, but uh, it is, go on, go on, Chip. It is it is interesting that we do have at least one team in the paddock who has yet to find full season drivers because they are looking for somebody to bring a bit of funding that has entered premium this year in hopes of using that as a lure for whoever they can find. And who's that? Okay, Turner. can't say. Okay, Turner Motorsports. Okay. Fine. Um, we've been talking, ladies and gentlemen, about Michael Shank racing uh, for a little while. Um, uh, and are we any closer to knowing who those drivers are going to be? Uh, Lawson Aschenbach, Justin Marks in those cars? Is that what you're hearing? Yep, the one 
season entry because one will be full season and one is for TPNAAC only. So the full season is Lash Nashenbach and Justin Marks with the uh, endurance driver, none other than Super Mario Farnbacher, and their Daytona specialist will be Mr. Almendinger, so one of uh, our friend Marshall's favorites. Yeah. You've got to have somebody who can easily fit into the footwell and pick out rocks and do the cleaning in there. So it's kind of a, uh, a height-based hiring. So. Uh, uh, another one of your favorites, Marshall, that we've talked a lot about over at Lexus is Jack Hawksworth. Um, looks like he is uh, still in a drive for next year with David Enemar Hansen alongside him. Yeah, so a bit of a conversion there. And to go back quickly to what uh, Shay mentioned on the Shanks side, the number 93 will be the full-time entry. The 86 will be the Enduro Mobile. That will have Catherine Legg in it uh, returning, so good on that. And the one that I love is is adding Alvaro Parent. Good Lord. I mean, that's, you know, if you're a fan of GT racing, the fact that freaking Parent is going to be in an Acura, even if it's only just four races next year, I mean, that, that is, that's, freaking stupendous so i love that you then but that's also part of the conversion too right because with uh, acura and lexus being given that one-year provision to develop their cars as a factory team they've been forced to move to a proper pro-am model for 2018 so that's why you have dhh joining jack hawksworth jack and this is no secret. Jack spent a fair amount of the offseason trying to land a uh, a faster ride, not a different ride in GTD, but a faster ride, meaning something in a prototype where, admittedly, his talent belongs. Didn't come to pass, but I'm hoping that maybe a, a, a stronger year with fewer overall team-based calamities will shine more of the spotlight on his talent and get him up to where he deserves. Uh, it looks like a great season in IMSA next year already. One thing I will say as we wind up this evening, um, the there's not a lot of spare seats around unless extra cars come in. And from social media, I noticed Mike Skeen, Robin Liddell, Andrew Davis, Matt Bell... Uh, we're all at the homologation test, and presumably, Shay, none of those guys know where they're going to be next year. And, you know, it was so disheartening to see them walking around because about the first two hours, they were like, yeah, you know, we've got meetings set up with this person and this team and this. And by the end of the first day, I sort of came in to where Robin and Matt were talking, and they both were saying, there's nothing. There is just nothing available. It's not even the fact that the the extra seats sometimes that used to be available, if you would rock up to the roar with your helmet, you might be able to find it. Those just don't exist anymore. People know their programs. And from the teams that showed up for the homologation test, from what they were able to find, everybody's good. Now, from what I was able to hear, the Lexus, the second car still has some discrepancy as to who will be their drivers. Jack Hawksworth, when he came into Marion's on Wednesday to pay for all of his meals, he said, I don't know if I'm going to be here full season. I think so, but I don't know who I'm going to be with. And he wouldn't have lied to Marion. So <laughs> Nobody lies to Marion. Wednesday. You don't lie to Marion. She knows. Um, so there's still some seats out there, but they're just not very many. Uh, thank you very much to Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com. Great to have you on, brother. Exciting week for IndyCar and uh, going forward for IMSA. Marshall, are you heading to the Raw? Will we see you there? I will be at the Roar. And, uh, yeah, so A, can't wait for that. B, 
Uh, I think the young adult uh, in charge here is going to be the subject of a uh, Marshall Pruitt podcast life and career recording. And uh, also wanted to thank you for helping give us a better idea of who the hell you are. Who the hell you are is the genius (laughs) of, of Marshall Pruitt, which puts all kinds of people under so much pressure. And if you go to Marshall Pruitt's podcast area, or you can access it from uh, uh, Road and Track as well, I noticed we're promoting it as well earlier uh, in the week. You'll you'll hear me being put to the sword by <laughs> by Mr. by Mr. Pruitt. It's a genius idea, mate. Uh, some I, of those I noticed questions. you've had lots of compliments on your episode from uh, Will Buxton, which suggests that he might be a little bit frightened about his episode, which I <laughs> believe is oh, coming shortly. He's deflecting. He is. Uh, oh, trust me, Buxton. That guy is in serious trouble when his goes up. So, Ooh, okay. Oh yeah. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons, pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. And where does it come from, Tim? Uh, it comes from Cheshire. Oh, right, okay. That's part of Englandshire. Like the cat. Yeah, like, like the cat. Like the cat. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, it's as pointless as the cat. Really? Tom Oliphant yes. has written his name into Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge Middle East history books. Right. He hasn't really. Well, no, wait, after wait, winning, that. After winning the championship's milestone 100th race at the Dubai Autodrome. Which was their first round of the season, was it not? After launching the season in style with a race win and go. a second place finished in Bahrain. All right, okay. Last weekend, the Tarpoli racer superbly replicated Tarpoli. those oh. results to take the championship lead for the first time heading into the series' festive break. Do you know why I know um, Tarpoli? Because it's on the way to Alton Park. It's very close to Alton Park. My cousin lived there for oh. uh, much of my youth and... Uh, now has moved to Nantwich. With new tyres on his Lechner racing machine for day two, uh, all of them are Lechner racing. They're run by Lechner, aren't they? Am I I'm not wrong with that, am I? It's a real honour to have won the 100th race in the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge Middle East, said Tom Oliphant. The championship has a brilliant history and I'm really pleased to enjoy that landmark moment and take the championship lead for the first time. Uh, I, I just don't believe that uh, the 100th uh, race in the Middle East Championship is uh, any particular. I've got, I've got a cap from the fiftieth. It's downstairs in the in the hall. Even if he is in the Porsche GT3 Challenge Middle East history books, I bet he hasn't written his name into it. I bet somebody else wrote it. I bet somebody else wrote that know. as well. I wonder. It if might there's... have just been during the autograph session. Fair point. Yes. <laughs> wonder if there is a physical book. I bet there is actually. I bet there is. Right, that's it. Uh, there's no time to explain. The Llama is off to the Gulf 12 hours, and I hope you can join us at the weekend. We'll be back 8 o'clock Greenwich Mean Time next week for another two hours of Midweek Motorsport. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.